Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. Have you ever been a part of an organization that did not have any kind of strong leadership? I'm guessing either it felt like the group was just walking in circles, absolutely going nowhere, or it felt like total chaos. And in Web3, in this whole decentralized world that we're touting and hoping for, we hold the democratic process in high regards. And that's what makes a DAO appealing to very many people. However, what if I told you that is not the best model for a business? So today, we're going to discuss why I believe a DAO will not replace corporations. For the record, I think there are some use cases for DAOs that are very great. However, for a for-profit business, I don't think that is one of them. And I started by saying that without strong leadership, it feels like the project or the group is just walking in circles. And that's what tends to happen. With a DAO, there is a vote for everything and it is really democratic. However, let me give you a couple examples from business that are very famous and it really took a strong leader to move this project or the business forward. And the decision that they made were not popular at the time. And just using some very well-known companies, let's go all the way back to 2012. This was when Facebook was getting ready to IPO. Facebook went public on the stock market on May 18th, 2012. At that time, Mark Zuckerberg was 28 years old, the CEO, the founder, still in that role today. However, just before the IPO in April of 2012, he purchased Instagram for $1 billion. Now, at the time, this was absolutely crazy. This made all the headlines, Financial Times and news. I mean, it was all over CNBC, Bloomberg, you name it. It was literally everywhere being criticized as should we really give a 28-year-old billions of dollars? How could he possibly do this right before the IPO? This is reckless. And there were so many negative things being said that the value of the company was supposed to go down. People were very skittish. They were saying they need to downgrade everything because he has way too much power, way too much say in the company. And this is reckless behavior. We should not allow this 28-year-old to run such a large company with so much financial backing. And if he's going to do this now, right before the IPO, when this sort of thing is obviously frowned on, everyone knows in the industry, do not make such big purchases and big moves right before you go public. This is sort of like when you're getting ready to make a mortgage for a house and they tell you, do not make any big purchases, do not buy cars, do not take out any loans or anything of that nature because it's going to look bad when you go to take out that mortgage with the bank before purchasing the house. And that could be the difference between getting a house and not getting the house. So this happening two months before the IPO, it was just red flags and highly criticized. Now, obviously, fast forward 10 years, and that was probably a steal. $1 billion to think that they got Instagram for that cheap, considering where it is now, and the valuation of that is like in the hundreds of billions. It's just absolutely crazy. So that probably was one of the best purchases in all of history. Now, let's go to 2014, another big purchase. This was when Apple bought Beats headphones. Now, at the time, that $3 billion purchase was the most expensive purchase ever made by Apple as far as an acquisition. And people criticized this. The stock went down. They were saying, yep, Apple has finally ran out of ideas. It's a shame Steve Jobs has passed away. Tim Cook has taken over the the company and it's all going into the ground now. This is absolutely time to sell your stocks. So of course there was a little bit dip and it was just complete panic. And the fact that why would Apple not design headphones on their own? Does this mean that their internal design teams is not doing good? Why would they have to go out and buy the 
Cordis Headphones Company that literally makes mediocre headphones according to, you know, audiophiles, and it is all marketing hype with celebrities. Why couldn't Apple just do that themselves? They're a marketing machine. They're a design machine. They have tech. They have headphones. Why would they purchase this? So that was met with fierce criticism. However, what people didn't realize that they were purchasing Beats headphones, not for the hardware itself, but it's because of the streaming service. What we know today as Apple Music came out of that acquisition. All of those contracts and everything that was negotiated with all those record labels and streaming music, well, Beats was already in that. Beats had its own streaming music service. So when they purchased that, they required all the IP, all the contracts, the team, everything that was on that side, working with the record labels. And Apple was not in good graces with the record labels because when they came out with iTunes and they were breaking up albums and selling them in single songs to go on an iPod, it absolutely turned the music industry upside down. However, with Dr. Dre and Interscope Records and everything that was involved with the Beats headphones team, they had those indoors. They had the team and infrastructure and most importantly, they had the technology already built and ready to go. So when everyone was in the news screaming and frenzy going over the purchase of Apple for these headphones, that was not the case. However, on the outside, the public did not know that. But Tim Cook and the internal team that made this decision to make that huge purchase just took the fire because they knew what they were really purchasing. So fast forward to now, and it's just like a no-brainer. I can't believe people were so upset about that purchase because what we know today Apple Music, everything that was built on that came from that purchase. Both of these, Apple with their purchase and Facebook with that huge purchase, now seem like they were absolute steals. It was like a fire sale. They got it at a bargain. However, it took strong leadership, the courage to just stare down the barrel and despite the criticism and everything, just go ahead and make that purchase. So those are just two examples of two very well-known companies and brands and purchases that I just want to put out there. But the whole point of sharing this is these companies were able to make these decisions. Why? Because strong leadership was in a position to make that despite the criticisms, all the naysayers and everything. And they went forward. Now, the other thing that is very cool about these companies and strong leadership being able to make decisions is that it is a quick process. And that is one of the things that slows down business. My father likes to say hesitation is deadly or it's very expensive. You, we all hear the term time is money. Well, it's even deeper than that. So let me just give you a few quick examples of let's get down to a little bit more local, a smaller scale that a little bit more relatable than purchasing billions of dollars or whatever it might be. But let's go to a local business and how things work. Now, let me tell you about my father. My father is someone who is very quick, likes to make his decisions, very big, strong personality, some people say very authoritative, draconian, whatever you want to call it, but he makes his decisions quickly and he just sticks ahead. He goes forward despite criticism, whatever it might be, and it has worked out for him for the most part in life. Now, a couple examples I just want to give you really quick as to how he operates his business, how he does the things he does. A few years ago, there was a piece of land that came for sale. And this is something that I was always eyeing because it is adjacent to our property where our business is and what have you. And I always looked over the fence and looked over there and just daydreamed about what it would be like to have that piece of land and if it ever went to sale for so forth. Well, one day he was on his way to work and they he noticed that they put up a sign in the yard and it was literally up for one day when he stopped and he went over there and spoke to the person 
Obviously, he knew the, the people that actually owned it. They were abroad. They were living. So he just calls over onto the fence, starts to speak to the caretaker who's at the property. And he said, when did this go for sale? And the guy, I think he said, um, oh, yesterday we put up the sign. So then he asked, well, has anyone uh, called, inquired, tried to make an offer or anything of that nature? He said, no. Well, he says, well, I want to buy it. Take down the sign right now. We're going to get this thing done. So the caretaker took down the sign. This is literally one day after that sign went up. And obviously, this is a road that we have to pass all the time because it's right behind our property as far as where the store is. So the caretaker was just gracious enough, whatever, uh, just took his word for it, took down the sign and fast forward, he ended up purchasing the property. And once you work out the math of what he built on it, how much he actually spent for it and everything, it was a complete steal. Now, Things like this is very usual for him. He makes decisions very quickly. Oftentimes, when we're trying to calculate something or figure out something, he is very good at numbers too. And it's very funny because he has very little formal education whatsoever. However, he is extremely good at numbers, making his calculations and everything. And he often jokes that by the time my sister and I, who went to college, or my sister who has her master's and she's an accountant, by the time we pull out our calculators to crunch the numbers or whatever position is uh, before him, whether they should make the purchase or move on it or not, he says he's already made his decision. So it's like, put away your calculator. I already know what I'm going to do. He calculates it within a ballpark. And before we unlock our cell phones or pull out our calculators, whatever it is, he already says, no, that's not a good one. And he just goes on. And that's like a family joke. He's something he says all the time, but he's definitely telling the truth is because he makes his decisions very quickly and he can get within the ballpark. It doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be perfect, but he knows if it's a good deal or not. And he just moves on. And that is how he runs his business. It is very impulsive, if you will. It is very quick. And from the outside, it seems like it's absolute chaos and people will criticize it. However, he makes his decision. He knows exactly what he's looking for what he's trying to do, and he does it quickly. And the third time that I'm just going to give, just really showing you how things actually work and comparing it to as a big organization that has to talk to multiple layers in order to make a decision, is that same property that he ended up purchasing for ridiculously cheap and building a property on what have you. Well, on the other side of that, there was a parking lot that was owned by a bank, right? This was one of the biggest companies in Jamaica. And what ended up happening was there is a huge stone wall, probably about eight, nine feet. And according to the local ordinances, and what have you, when you have a property adjacent to someone, it has to be under a certain height or it has to be see-through and both property owners have to agree on it. Just simplifying it. However, if he's putting up a building on that property that he's supposed to rent out as commercial real estate, that huge wall is blocking the view of it. So it then brings down the value of his property. So he knew that if he had to contact the bank, they would have to go to the headquarters and they would have to go through all these different levels. They would have to do all of these different things. And so many people would have to sign off on it and agree with it. Who's going to split the cost and all of that. So what he decided to do was on a Saturday when the bank was closed, he decided to have his workmen come in, he footed the entire bill because normally you'd split the cost 50-50 to order to bring it to code. While well, he brought his workmen in, he brought that down to the right level, put up a chain link fence so that way it was completely see-through and he could see the property and everything. So it, it was able to be displayed. You could see it from the main road and it would be able easier to rent out than pushing up the value of the property. And he just footed all that bill without getting any kind of permission or any kind of agreement to split cost or anything from that bank. Now, this might seem absolutely crazy, but here's the reason why he did it. He said, anyhow, I contacted the bank and said, this is how it should be according to code. It was going to take so long because they would have to go through all those layers and that might push out the project months. So he said he would just rather do it, foot the bill, 
take on all the expense of just doing it because in the long run, he knows that's going to push up the value of his property. He's going to be able to rent it out. He's going to be able to recoup his value quicker. And it's just so much easier to say, hey, sorry, Mr. Bank Manager. I know I should have probably talked to you about this, but here's the thing. This is what was going to happen. This is why I did it. But at the end of the day, guess what? I still take out loans and do business with your banks or you're going to make your money. So a sorry will do, right? That, that might sound absolutely crazy, but here's the thing. There's another saying that says, but it's easier to ask for forgiveness and get permission. And that's exactly what he did here. It was just quick. And he knew that at the end of the day, it's not like they really cared anyways. It's just that it would have to be signed off by so many people in order to have this little wall cut down to the right size so that way the property could be seen and all of that. So he avoided all of that, decided to do it all on his own. Now, why am I sharing all of this stuff? It is to show you that bureaucracy is very slow. It is very wasteful. So in order to go through all those layers and all those people sign off and get involved in the decision-making process, he just took it on himself. Yes, sure, it cost him a little bit of money. If he went through the proper channels, it would have been able to split the cost. But guess what? Time is money. It was way worth it to him to just pay the full expense of being able to get that up to code and just do it without any kind of permission. He did it on a Saturday because the bank was closed. No one could stop him or slow him down. When they came Monday morning, everything was already done. He just had that discussion after the fact, right? So now that might sound absolutely crazy, but trust me, especially in Jamaica, that could have easily taken a year. Who knows how long it would have taken and it would have been the same resolution because at the end of the day, it still had to come down because that was a code, that was a local ordinance. However, dealing with bureaucracy is a total nightmare. So going back to the whole DAO thing, a DAO is really structured or presented to be a true democracy. And if you do any kind of history searching, see how true democracies end up, look at Greece and look through any kind of example through history, what always happens is it ends in a dictatorship because it ends up being mob rule. And people could be bullied into making the decision. And a lot of the times it is the charismatic leader or the person who's most convincing or the person who's just most forceful that ends up getting that vote to go the way that they want. Also, when you're doing these de democratic votes and what have you, everyone chipping in and putting their voice and uh, having the ability to make that decision, besides slowing down the process, you're also going to get a lot of people that are not familiar with the issue or someone who is just not qualified to make that decision. Now, let me just give you another quick little local example. Every single year, I used to get these letters from my credit union to elect the board. And there was this little itty bitty paragraph about each single one. We have no idea who these people are. However, there was an annual election and we would just randomly select them. And I don't know if you're a part of a credit union and you get these board of directors mailings and you have to select who is on that board and what have you, but you're really not making an informed decision. However, the way a credit union is set up is all these people have to cast the vote and that is how the board of directors and so forth is selected. That decision is made really from an uninformed position because first of all, that little paragraph was selected by whoever put that pamphlet together. And secondly, how much could I possibly know who is the most qualified person to actually be on that board out of, let's say there's six different selections and there's two seats open? Well, that little paragraph doesn't really give me anything as to how qualified that person is, but that's what we use to vote for the board of directors. And as far as who should be running the credit union are on that board, really, 
Although I have a say, I am not qualified enough to know about those people or even what their job really involves. So usually I end up picking at random or I just pick someone who I just happen to like that photo or maybe it is just someone who has a cool name. I mean, just absolutely just some random stuff, right? I mean, it's just whatever. I mean, what do I possibly know? But they sent me the thing to vote and I just throw it in there. And that sort of thing could happen in a DAO where there is something that is a choice on whatever it might be. And that person that is now having the position to help to put that decision forward, they might not even understand what it is. Maybe they just know that they can vote and they don't want their vote to go to waste and they'll pick one at random. Or like what I used to do when I had multiple choice tests, if I had no clue, I always put C. Why? Because statistically, they said that the right answer on a multiple choice test, especially if it's out of four, C is the most common one. I don't know how that is actually weighted. Maybe it's only 30%, whatever it is, but they say on these multiple choice tests, it is weighed that way. So that is a total random guess and is based on information that may be true or not true. And who's to say that people that are voting in a DAO aren't doing the same thing? So now I know this might seem like this is a total negative episode, all bashing DAOs and whatever, but there is a use case where I personally think that DAOs do stand a good chance and it is probably a very good structure and something to consider but not for these profit corporations. I think corporations, LLCs, and limited partnerships and all that stuff will continue to be the dominant form of business. I don't think DAOs are going to replace them. However, when it comes to nonprofit, not-for-profit organizations, I think a DAO has some real legs there. The reason why I think it is is because as far as charities and things goes, we are very skeptical about giving them our money. We think that they're wasting it on all sorts of things, gold toilets and private jets, lavish lifestyles. So having all of those people that have their input have to be able to uh, scrutinize these transactions, see what's going on, having votes and everything, I think is a good thing. And especially with the DAOs, it's going to be on the blockchain. There's a ledger. Everything's open. Everyone can look at this stuff. There's not really any kind of confidentiality spending or anything of that nature. I mean, they're not doing secret backdoor deals into buying these corporations in order to make profit, right? Normally, it's something like donations, sponsorships, fundraising, like that type of thing, giving it out to a cause. Sure, they might buy a building, but it's not like something like some sort of secret fly-by-night operation where they don't want the public to know. And I can't think of a scenario where a charity or a nonprofit organization is going to have some of those deals like how my father drove by, saw that thing, said, absolutely, take it off the market, I'm going to purchase it. Something like that. Or getting a call and saying, hey, if you guys don't donate over here within 24 hours, the window for the donation is closed. Like, I don't know. So I can't think of anything. I've been a part of a couple organizations, what have you, churches and different boards and helping to spend, be the treasurer for a couple organizations that were in charge of donations and what have you. And I can't think of any scenario where a decision had to be made like that on the spot. So I think a DAO could work in that sense. Again, I've never ran some multinational organization or charity like the Red Cross or anything of that nature. So I don't know if it comes up on that level. However, on a local charity, maybe a church, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, things like that, I don't see why a DAO couldn't be a valuable form to structure that entity. Because a lot of times we have these clubs and uh, different statuses for them in order to set them up legally so that way it is not in someone's personal name. But definitely, I think a DAO could be a way to go for that. And lastly, the thing that I am just really not so sure about with the whole DAO is how is this going to hold up in court anyways? We have hundreds of years of laws about corporations and defining how there is limited liability and so forth. But when it comes to a DAO now, I mean, those laws are not even set. If the event occurs where these DAOs end up in court, how is that going to stand up? I don't want to be the one who is the guinea pig for that precedent. 
I think as a for-profit entity, a corporation, having all those laws, literally hundreds of years of laws and case studies on the books and precedents protects me and my investments. So I couldn't see any circumstance where I would set it up as a DAO. But hey, that is what I'm thinking. Nonprofits, DAOs, yes. For-profits, not at all. But I'd love to know, what are your thoughts exactly? I covered a lot of things. I gave some examples, practical, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Please feel free to weigh in at Tropic Vibes on Twitter or via email. Contact information is in the show notes, but as usual, I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to this as we're learning and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.